Ephesians chapter 3, and we'll be, I'm going to pick up at verse 8, actually. Ephesians 3, verse 8. So in another epistle, the Holy Spirit used the Apostle Paul to write, and uh, I want us to look at that this morning. So I want you to just, just follow closely, listen to what he has to say here. He says, though, Paul says, though I, I, Paul, am the least deserving of all God's people. He, God, graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. How many know God has kept some things to himself? One of those things is his next coming, when that's going to be. He's not revealed that. God's purpose in all this, Paul goes on to say, was to use what? The church. We've been talking about the church, right? God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Aren't you thankful for that? Now look at verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, say glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power, say power, through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, say that word love. Love. Come on, say love. 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 Amen. Yeah, right. No, love. May have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him, to God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, God, for your wonderful word. Amen? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes people are in possession of a fortune without ever even realizing it. It just has something of incredible value, and they just they don't even know what they, what they possess. I was reading a number of stories of, of situations that had hap to pe happened to people. One particular man that lived in Reno went back and was cleaning the house of his childhood 
and he found an unopened Nintendo game, um, Kid Icarus, I think it's pronounced. Anybody familiar with that? Anybody remember it? Kid Icarus. It was an unopened video game, Nintendo video game in a shopping bag. Still had the receipt in the bag, and um, it was bought for $38.45 from JCPenney. But he went, he went and sold it online. Guess what he got out of it? Thousand. We have any other bids? Nine thousand dollars. I know some of you going to rush out right now, and you want to go check your attic. You want to go see what you got in there, right? There's a grandfather who, who had bought a chess piece. He just, he just really stood out to him. It was unique, and uh, stood out to him. And so he bought it. He bought it for six dollars. And uh, it was just special to him, and so they had played chess numerous times, and so he passed it down to his family. And uh, 55 years later, after the purchase, it was already old, um, but after the purchase, they went and had it checked out, and it ended up being one of the missing pieces of an early 13th century chess set. They had, they had numerous pieces in the board, but they, they, there were some pieces that were missing, and this was one of those key pieces that was missing. And the value of that piece was worth $1.2 million. And they're sitting around in their house just playing, playing a game. Hey, y'all know where the chessboard is? Yeah, I think it's up there. You know, yeah, $1.2 million. They didn't know what they had. They just didn't realize what they had. There was a lady who was in, in France. She was getting ready to sell her house and so she brought an auctioneer to come by and see what, what, uh, what she had and become familiar with her possessions. And, and uh, as he began to go around and, and begin to price things and put his thoughts of appraisal, what they'd be worth and where he should start concerning the auction, he noticed a painting that was hanging in the woman's kitchen. And it was, it was hanging just above this, this uh, uh, oh, what do you call the boards you bake on? So, what do you call them? pound stuff, cut them on, cutting board, it was a cutting board, right, and uh, that was hanging on the wall, right above it was this painting, it was hanging there, and it turned out that this painting was part of a series of paintings from the 13th century from a famous author, I can't even pronounce his name, Simbaul or something, I don't know, C-I-M-B-A-U-E, something like that, but um, some of you might know who that is, but um, it was a painting by him depicting the times of Christ's crucifixions, and this was one of those uh, paintings, and it was a masterpiece known as Christ Mont. It sold for $26.8 million. And she just had it hang on the wall in her kitchen. I mean, you know, you got something worth that, you know, it's going to be under lock and key, and right? And it could be guarded, guarded by night, you know, and by day. And, uh, but they just didn't realize what they had. A lot of people have that. And uh, church, I pray that we don't fall into that situation where we don't realize what we really have. Do you realize, do you really realize what you have in God? Do you realize at what price can you put upon the presence of God and, and that relationship we can have with the Lord and do you realize what all God has to offer and what He gives? Do you realize the goodness, the vastness, the greatness of God? Do we really realize that? And I think if we're honest, we have to say, no, we really don't. 
but we're trying to. I pray that we never take him for granted, and I pray that this morning that the depth of our understanding, realization of who God is will increase just a bit today. And it'll increase a bit more tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. And then we will grow in that and we'll begin to pass it on. Folks, let us realize how precious it is, how valuable it is what we possess. Amen? I, I think sometimes, let me ask you, you know, if, we, if we're laying aside the, the Word of God and and the Bible's over there collecting t- dust and it's never open. Can I tell you, we're no, we don't realize what we have. When God's given us the call and the privilege and invited us that at any time, at any moment, night or day, at any second, that we can come before Him and we can call on the name of the Lord and we don't do that, we don't realize what we have. When God has called us together as a body, as a church, and called us together in times to worship and to give Him glory and encourage and uplift one another in the Lord and edify one another and give praise and open ourselves up to what God will do as God's people gathers together, then we don't really realize what we have. I pray that God would give us a freshness like we had if we've lost it. I pray we haven't lost it. But I pray that, that, how many of you remember the zeal you had when you were saved? I pray that it's increased. I pray that there is an excitement, that there is an emotion attached to that, that there is still a wonder of the amazing goodness and power and greatness of God. Amen. If not, then may God awaken us afresh and anew. Remember an evangelist talking about how that he was holding a series of meetings and and, and there, amidst the congregation, all had a great crowd on Sunday and not so much on Sunday night and a little bit less on Monday and Tuesday. And, but there was a, a young fellow who had just gotten saved and, and uh, was all in for God, and he was there every, every service. He was there Sunday morning. He was there Sunday night. He was there Monday night. Too. And after a while, he's got up. He said, Pastor, I just don't understand. I said, what? Uh, here's the people, the the people that have lived for God for all this time and said, why, why aren't they here? Where are they at? And he said, I didn't know what to tell them. I didn't know what to say to them. He said, I'm afraid that they've lost their sense of wonder. And they just learned it. He said, I pray that he, I pray that he never learns that. But we keep going after. You see what happens if we're not careful. We'll just begin to, to lose that sense. And let me just say this. And it's nowhere in my notes. But let me just say this. We're talking about, we're reading about the Ephesians. We're reading about the Ephesian church here that Paul's praying for. And you remember it's this church that is mentioned in Revelation that had lost its first love. God help us that we would maintain our love and passion for God. And we do that by continuing to pour in and to invest. Son, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for continuing to invest in the Lord. That your love for God has increased. I've seen it increase. And I see you. I watch you. I see you in the Word. I see you in prayer. I see you in the office with your Bible opened repeatedly. I'll see you in the sanctuary here and coming in various times of the day that you'll be praying. I'm thankful that you haven't lost that sense of wonder, though you grew up in a Christian home. Though you grew up in a minister's home, you got your own faith and you're still going and you're passing it on to your kids and you're sharing it with your wife. 
glad that you're continuing to invest in your best and in your wife. How many know, listen, if you want to fall in love in some, with something, continue to invest in it. If you want to fall out of love with something, stop investing in it. There is so much to unpack in this message today. Um, even if I get through my notes, I'm only going to scratch the surface. But do you realize, I just ask you, do you realize what you have? I want you to ask your neighbor that question. Do you realize what you have? Do we realize it? Let us not take the Lord for granted. Amen? <laughs> this zeal. Come on, how do you just, how do you just, what, don't, don't lose your fervor. Don't lose your zeal for the Lord. Excited for Him. Amen? You don't care what everybody thinks. Glad to know God. Amen. I'm glad I know Jesus Christ. Not ashamed of Him, no matter where I'm at. What about you, right? We're glad for that. <laughs> Excited some, some uh, I can't remember what stories I've told, but I, I, I come to mind. I remember this. Uh, this young fella is so excited, this young teen, and so excited for God. And I mean, just going after God, Brother Marvin, I mean, just sold out. I mean, <laughs> he, he loved the Lord. It was so much that got his parents' attention, and, and uh, they, didn't, they didn't know God. They weren't Christian, and, and they were concerned about him and thought, man, there's something wrong with our sons. So they sent him to a psychiatrist <laughs> who didn't know the Lord either. <laughs> They sent him to this psychiatrist, and he was there, and the psychiatrist sat him down and said, well, said, uh, so tell me, said, um, uh, when were you born? He said, well, you talking about my spiritual death, my spiritual birth? You talking about my physical birth? Which one are you talking about? <laughs> he kind of frowned a little bit and cleared his throat, and he said, well, said, uh, you know, well, well, what about your father? What's your father's name? He says, well, do you want to know about my heavenly father? Or do you want to know about my earthly father? <laughs> and he said, well, he couldn't get anywhere. He said, well, just where do you live? Just tell me where your home is. He said, well, you want to know about my heavenly home? You want to know about my earthly home? By the time they were done, the psychiatrist had to see a psychiatrist. <laughs> He's excited about how you know, God help us to be so passionate about the Lord and love God so much that, that people notice <laughs> there's something different about us. I pray that people notice. How many of you know people really do notice what we really love? They, come on, they notice what you love. Oh, man, I, I, was, I was there. I had to take a car in this past week and, and uh, had to get it uh, checked out and, and driving by there, man. And I mean, you know, nobody paying attention to me, really. But, um, but all of a sudden, football game came on and... Man, all the workers gather around, they're, they're turned on the TV, they're watching these games, you know. I thought, yeah, I see what you really like. Come on, how many know what people, people know what you really like? And they know whether we really love the Lord or not. And um, I, I, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. But I want to love Him more. I want to love Him more. I don't want to just say, oh, I could do without that, a little less, a little. No, I want more. Amen. A passion and the realizing what we have and what I have in, in prayer and what I have, you know, I realized over the years, the wife and I just this past week celebrated 36 years and, um, of marriage. And um, we, uh, I can tell you as a matter of fact, I realize more today what I have than I did the day I married her. Not even close. I don't know what I'd do without her. 
I see the things in her. I see what I see what God gave me the gift in her more than ever. I want to see that same thing with the Lord more and more. Come on, don't you? How many of you put, make that prayer with God? Help us, help us, help us. Listen, don't you follow anybody that just gets cold and just lives this just wishy-washy Christian life that has no impact, there's no joy, no passion, no direction, and it's all about them. Friend, listen, that's not what God, God has in store for you. You keep your eyes upon people who obviously have a passion for the Lord, who is in fire for God in their 50s and their 70s as they were in their 20s. Amen? Come on. Can I hear an amen? Right? So anyway, leading up, reading this whole passage, this, these last verses that I read, beginning with about 16 down to 21 uh, or so, I think it might have been 14, that um, it's, uh, Paul begins to pray. Who's he praying for? He's praying for the church, particularly the church in Ephesus. He's praying for them. And uh, so Paul prays, he says, for this reason. And, and, and by the way, the message, if you hadn't picked it, discovered it already for today, it's do you realize what you have? <laughs> All right. Amen. Come on, ask your neighbor one more time. Do you realize what you have? But Paul, Paul prays, he said, for this reason I bow before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Folks, how many of you realize still things happen when God's people pray? Paul was praying for the church, specifically Ephesus here. And his posture was, was kneeling. And, and, um, and how many know that, that we can pray in all kinds of different physical postures? But whatever posture we come before the Lord, we come humbly before Him. But it's just funny, I point that out because it's funny thinking about Paul praying because of the fact that he was at this time uh, chained to a Roman soldier. <laughs> It's the, imagine Paul getting down on his knees, chained here, and say, get on down here, buddy. We're, you know, we're going to pray. I mean, he didn't have any choice. You know, he could go pray. And uh, you wonder what happened to that fellow. But, uh, but he began to pray and, and uh, call on the Lord. And, and uh, Paul didn't pray to make this, uh, that day interesting for, his, for the soldier there. He prayed because he believed that God was going to answer. Do we still believe that God's going to answer? That we believe when we pray that God, God is going to come through. Because I'm going to tell you, you live long enough, you, you go long enough, and somewhere the enemy will challenge you with that. And he will fight, and that's the battle we fight. It's the battle of faith that we continue believing, we continue trusting in God and what he said. In spite of what things look like, in spite of how long it's been, that we can, are you continuing to trust God? Do you believe? Amen. Do you really believe? Next time you pray that it's going to rain. If you really believe, you'll walk out without, with the umbrella. <laughs> How many people pray, oh God, let it rain, and they walk out the door and don't even grab the umbrella? How much do you really believe? How many, oh, come on, y'all with me? How much do we really believe it? We say we believe it. But then do our actions back it up like, I know God's going to do this. You see, when we pray that God's going to take care of something, He's going to take care of us, then it ought to matter how we walk out of that house. That we pray for a certain thing, we know that God is going to take care of it. He's going to handle it. He's, going to, he's got us. Amen? He's got you. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, He's got you. Trust Him. Just trust Him. We can either walk with that trust or, or walk with uh, just uncertainty like anybody else in the world. But if we do that, we don't realize what we have, right? So Paul points us in this whole passage. Like I said, folks, um, I'm just going to touch the surface on a few things that kind of stood out to me. 
and uh, some things that Paul points to here as he's praying. And one of the things he does is he points to God's riches. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches. Earlier, Paul spoke about his privilege. Remember that when I read, he said, the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. Do you realize what's available to you in Christ? Do we, ser- we realize we, have a, we serve a God of infinite riches? And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not just, I'm not even primarily talking about the riches of things or silver or gold. But how do you know God owns all of that? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so that means if he needs to transfer that to you, he will. Okay? But we gotta, we gotta give, we gotta give some, we gotta have something we're believing that's big enough for him to, you know, need to transfer things to us, right? His wonderful riches. Remember Napoleon when someone asked a tremendous favor of Napoleon, it was immediately granted. Immediately, they asked some huge thing. You know why? Napoleon said because. He honored me by the magnitude of his request. Are we honoring God by the magnitude of our request? Now, I understand we all are at that position where we like, God, you know what? You give me more than what I need. I'm okay. I'm fine. What I, I get that. But how you know, sometimes we're trying to reach for something. We're trying to accomplish something. We're trying to do something. We need God to break through, and I mean really bless. We need God to give us power. How many know God's called us to be something? He's called us to be like Christ, so we're going we're gonna to need his help to be like Christ. Amen? He's called us to do the work of Christ, and we're going to need his help to do the work of Christ. I almost grabbed it this morning. I thought about, you know, if I'm just taking a little finish nail and I'm trying to finish something here, I would never grab a sledgehammer <laughs> to pound in that little bitty nail. Now I'm going to use something much smaller. So why do you need a sledgehammer? You need a sledgehammer to drive in, you know, a fence post or something, you know, not some little bitty nail. So, you know, are we coming to God? Are we coming to God believing for great things because we're believing God's going to accomplish great things? Come on, can we believe that? Are we living by faith? Are we living by what we can do? God be glorified because God is a, uh, Paul points it out, God is a God of great riches, of endless treasure. John Newton went on to, to write this. He said, thou art coming to a king. Speaking to us or to people, thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. Do we realize the richness of God? God has what you need. And if you've got God, then you're going to have what you need. Amen? And I'm not, listen, I'm not talking about, I'm not jumping on this line I mean, you know, we're t- we tend to shift the pendulum from one way to the other. One side, you can go to prosperity gospel, you know, where God made us all to be millionaires and live in, you know, 10,000 square foot homes and drive nothing but the best cars and all of that. On the other side, you know, no, I'm just supposed to be this humble person and, and uh, I, I, I shouldn't have anything nice or anything good because, you know, it would reflect poorly, um, you know, on the Lord. Come on, listen. I mean, I mean you know that we serve a rich God. Let's just be. And how many know we'd be in a heap of trouble if he, if he wasn't just loaded? So don't put any moral value on whether on riches or poverty. All right? And here's the key when we're talking about these things. 
the God that Paul's really emphasizing the inner man, which is what we're going to get to next. But how many, how many of you understand? Do you realize what you have in God? The possessions. And I'm not talking just about the physical things, but the deeper things. That God is rich in love, that he's rich in mercy, that he's rich in grace. Right? Aren't you glad for that? That the things that matter the most, man, God has it all. And he's passed it on to us. Paul also points it to God's power. Say God's power. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, this word, right? Out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power <laughs> through his spirit in your inner being. In your inner being. At the end of this chapter, Paul says, according to his power that is at work within us. That's at work within you. And though the outer man is important, how many of you believe your outer man is important? Paul's focus here is on the inner man. So when we're talking about these things, or even when we're talking about riches, though the material riches apply, there is something much deeper, much more valuable that is, should be mostly emphasized here. Amen? Because he's talking about the inner man, not the outer man. But oh, how much attention we give to the outer man. Let's just talk about it. How many of you gave attention to the outer man or the outer woman this morning before you came to church today? And how many of you could say to one another, thank you? <laughs> Come on, how many of y'all did? take a shower this morning? Last night, get ready for today? Huh? You, you do your hair? You brush your teeth? We got some mints out here if you didn't do that. We got Huh? Did you put some deodorant on? If not, maybe you want to sit a little bit farther away from that person. Right? Put some deodorant. Do you have some perfume on? Some cologne? Come on, have y'all. What are you talking about? Right? Combed your hair, put some product in it. Got looking good, right? Have you looked in the mirror several times? Come on. Let with that. Be awesome. Look at the outer man. How you. Right, you got you got your clothes on, you put it on. How many of you how many of you had to either steam or press or or iron something this morning before you got here? Man, y'all look really good for not doing much for yourself. I'm gonna tell you right now. That's why you buy polyester. If you get it right out of the wash right away and hang it up, it's good to go. <laughs> Amen. Think about all you did. Got the clothes on, tied to tie, did everything, got everything together. How much time this morning did you spend on the inner man? Oh, let's, let's not any of us go there to talk about that. Showering all to getting ready, everything, take what, 20, 30 minutes? Ladies, it might take longer because you, you live with... <laughs> It's not because you need it. It's because guys have put such high expectations on you. And we don't have to paint our nails. God help you if you do, guys. I mean, you know. One of our missionaries wanted to take me and go get a manicure and pedicure. I said, I don't know where you came from, bud. You've been on the field too long. I ain't doing that. 
to take a time. How, come on, how much time did we spend? I tell you what, we would see a total transformation in our life and in our country if we would spend much time in the morning on our inner man as we do our outer man. Is that the truth? So what I'm saying here, when we read all of this, what I'm, what I'm pointing out is that's where we tend to go. When I talk about riches, that's where we tend to go in our mind. We're going to things that related to the outer man, not about the inner man. I could be loaded physically, right? Bank accounts that you couldn't measure. It could be one of the most, the, the poorest persons in the world. It's what do we have on the inside, on that inner man. That doesn't mean, it has it doesn't even do with the outside. God's, and let me say something, God's not against you having wealth. He's against wealth having you. You're not getting it. He's against wealth having you, only you. God needs wealth to be flowing through us because that's how he accomplishes so much of what he's done. Right? Look through the scripture. Jesus talked more about money than he did about anything else. That's just a fact. Right? So do we realize what we have? Do we realize the power of God according to his power? Oh, that, that he might strengthen you with power through his spirit. Do you remember that core passage of scripture that we quote so often as Pentecostals out of Zechariah? It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Do you realize what you have power-wise, the power of God, the power of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead? No life in him. Three days is in a tomb, but God raises him. His Spirit comes into him, raises him from the dead. That same Spirit, that same power, that, that event that changed the entire world, past and present, changed it all, changed the whole perspective, that same spirit is alive in you. That power is at work in you. How else could you and I be who we need to be? How else could you and I be transformed in the image of Christ? And that's what we're talking about. We've got to get our minds off of these things that has to do only with the outer man and our American perspective. And we've got to begin to get a kingdom, kingdom perspective and see what God really wants to do and apply these things, God's riches and God's power, to what he's really talking about and to what he wants to do in us. Amen? That he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. It was God's power. God's power. Did Moses deliver Israel or did God? Did, <laughs> did, did Elijah call fire to come down from heaven or did God? Daniel, just by his own power, did he defeat? Did he put those lions to sleep in the lion's den, or was it the power of God? All the other people did, they exercised faith based on God's power. And that's where you and I are. We've got to exercise faith in God's power, realizing who he is. Amen? Realizing that. Standing on that. Show me one thing he can't do. Well, did we not sing that? Show me one thing he can't do. 
We're believing in God's power. We're believing in that, standing on that. And so that's where we need to go, folks. And then finally, Paul points to God's love. And he says this. He says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. And let me just stop right there. You being rooted and established in love. Two different pictures here. One being rooted, rooted in love. Dealing with the plants. Was it botany? Is that what that is? That plants, the roots are growing down deep. And we've seen it in the storms there, the tornadoes that came through, and the 80-mile-an-hour winds that came through, the straight-line winds. And we saw things that looked like they were healthy on the outside, but they were tossed over because we saw their roots did not go deep. We are being rooted, listen to me, we're being rooted in what? God's love for us. I'm telling you, He really, 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 really loves you. Look at your neighbor and tell him, listen, He really loves you. Do you realize what you have? And He goes on to say what? And that you might have power together with all the Lord's holy people. That's every one of us. To grasp what? To grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. Amen? Anybody ever gotten hold of that yet? Probably not, but we're trying, aren't we? The width of God's love, that it embraces... It embraces everybody. God's circle of love includes the entire world. And did you get when you talk about the church, the mystery God made uh, that revealed from the beginning, his plan was what? To bring together the church that was not made up only of what was considered for years God's chosen people and still are in, in, in the right sense and context, the Jewish people, God's chosen people. Yes, amen. But how do you know that God, when he did that, he didn't have in mind only the salvation of the Jewish people. He had, in, he had in mind the salvation of the entire world. And so God is bringing everyone together in these last times at his appointed time, in his appointed season. And he's bringing everyone together. That's the width of his love. Jew and Gentile together, Right? Jews and Samaritans and all the people that we might have odds with. God's bringing us together. American, German, Russian. Right? Ethiopian, African, whatever in you want to talk about. How many know God's bringing it all together? That's the width of God's love. How, how wide is your love? If we have God's love in our heart, it'll be just as wide as his is. And if it's not, then we need to repent and say, God, give me your love. Are you all with me? Like I said, this is a lot to grasp. There's so much. I, I, I probably could speak for at least six months on this. The width of God's love, the, the, the length of God's love, how long it is, what it's, it's, it's eternal. From the, from the foundation, of, before the foundation of the world, Christ was promised. An evidence of the love of God, and it's continuing through all of eternity. Aren't you glad for the length of God's love that it never, that it never quits? How many glad for the depth of God's love? 
that God sought us out and found us. It was some time ago, I remember I talked about, I think a few of you uh, expressed where you were when God found you. Aren't you amazed? One of the things um, that, um, if you've watched, some of you have watched the Chosen series, and one of the, uh, I think it was the first, uh, the first one that they, they talked about Mary Magdalene, and, um, and how that uh, one of the Pharisees was invited to try to minister to her and, um, and set her free, but he couldn't do it. And he, he, wasn't, he said, no, a holy person doesn't go to the red quarters. We don't hang out like that. But Jesus went there. And we see him going over and over and over again. You see him embracing the leper. You see him touching the downcast. <laughs> I, love, I love the scene. If you have, how many of you ever watched The Chosen? All right, many of you have. I'm telling you, get into it. You, you'll love it. It's, and so anyway, I, I, I love the scene where, where they're there and, and Jesus said we must go through Samaria and God was doing incredible work there. And all of a sudden Jesus is standing there with James and John and all of a sudden they pass by, Samaritans walk by and they pick up some, some stones and some manure I think and and they throw it at them and they and they spit at them you know and I mean James John ready to go off I mean they're ready to just lay into him and uh, lay him out you know and said I you we got we got call fire down fire down from heaven and just consume them I mean you know let's go after them and Jesus said what are you talking about so they're not worthy he said and you're so worthy Why is it that we have some that would think that they're more worthy than others? Listen, none of us are worthy. But we're here because of the depth of God's love that God will reach us in the lowest place. And don't you give up on that person who's in the darkest place that you could possibly imagine, maybe darker than you can imagine. Don't you give up on them because God's love will go there. Amen? But now listen to me here, though. Just because you love them is not going to bring them out. They got to have a wake-up call like the prodigal did. And they got to come to their senses and get humble before God and get real before God. And if anybody's going to come back, he said, true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. And until that happens, nothing's going to happen. Amen? But when it happens, Breakthrough will come, and God will bring him from that deepest depth, some depth to the highest height, right? And that's what he talks about here. How many know that where, where we are, we have, that we have been raised with Christ, and we're going to be enthroned with him in the heavenlies? How far is it? There was a, there was a, a galaxy. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Some, some galaxy. Uh, I can't pull it up in my brain, but, uh, but I can see it. And it's like 58.2 million light years away you know and I mean that's a long way away and I think about how far it's just in the numbers of this are just unimaginable and that's how far and I'm thinking how how high is the love of God how far is the love of God Paul's trying to get us to see do you realize what you have a God of such riches of such power and of such love you are deeply loved, cared for, provided for. You've got it. Amen? Christians, lift up your head and see your Redeemer for who He is. Amen? He's got you. He's got you. And I close with this because this is how Paul closes. And you're all familiar. We've read it so many times. We've looked to it so many times. 
And Paul says this, now to him, to who's he, who's he talking about? To God. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. I love there's a great pyramid of way this can be broken down. How many know that God is able? You say amen. God is able to do. You believe that? Say amen. God is able to do what we ask. God is able to do what we think. God is able to do what we ask or think. God is able to do above all that we ask or think. God's able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Amen? That's the God we serve. Can you give him a hand? Come on, give God a hand and just honor the Lord. Hallelujah.